0: So how exactly does faith work? Does it mean that we just strongly believe in something? I mean, what happens to our faith when the bottom falls out and you're told that you have a terminal disease or your spouse has been cheating on you or your parents tell you that you're getting a divorce or you lost your job and you don't know how you're gonna pay your bills or you experience some form of abuse? And in those moments, you wonder, where is God? I mean, if He's so good and so loving, why am I going through all of this horrible stuff? I mean, I thought if I obeyed God, then I would experience the blessings, not pain and suffering. And if God allows bad things to happen to good people, then I really don't know if I can even trust a God like that. And it's in these moments that our faith gets rattled, it gets tested, and for some of you, it gets totally uprooted. So the big question that we will be looking to answer throughout this series is what does it look like to have your faith so grounded that no tornado of sickness, death, divorce, or disease could uproot your faith? See, it's not uncommon in our culture to find people who say things like, well, I used to be a Christian, but I'm not a Christian anymore. I used to believe what you believe, but I don't believe that anymore. And they would be classified kind of as people that have fallen away from the faith. Something has happened, and now they don't believe what they used to believe. Their faith wasn't grounded. See, in most cases, what I find to be true is that most people kind of fall into one of these two categories. The first category might be people who have made poor moral decisions, or the second category is you have people who face tragedy or circumstances in life, and they couldn't make sense of it based on what they believed as Christians. Let let me explain. Let's say you're a Christian and along the way, you're tempted to get into a relationship outside of God's moral standards. Or maybe you're tempted to get involved in a financial situation that would cause you to compromise your Christian ethics. Or let's say you're just tempted to develop a a lifestyle or a habit that causes you to feel guilty. So as time goes by, here's what you're gonna start thinking. Well, I know what I ought to do, but I don't wanna give this up. So there's this tension in you and over time, if you don't get to the core of it or change what you're doing, you'll eventually change what you believe because the roots of your faith aren't grounded. See instead of giving up a habit or a relationship or financial gain when it's outside the bounds of what God has set up it's easier to start adjusting our belief system so that eventually it meshes up with our lifestyle and so people will come to the conclusion well I I don't believe this christian stuff anymore I don't believe God is like that I don't believe in the God of the Bible anymore their faith in those moments, has been uprooted. Let's just think about a person who goes through any of those scenarios for just a minute. What has happened is that their faith was grounded in circumstance or in experience. And as long as their experience or the circumstances of life supported them and made them feel good about their life, they were a Christian. But all of a sudden, when Christianity interfered with their experience, or when Christianity interfered with their feelings, or when Christianity interfered with their accomplishments or self-esteem, they walked away from Christianity because the roots of their faith were no deeper than their experience or their circumstances. And see, if, if you're real honest, and again, it's difficult to be honest about this, but if you were real honest, your summary would be this. You're right. I used to believe this, but what changed first was not my belief system, but my behavior. And see, if you fall into this category, I I wanna give you serious consideration, or I want you to give serious consideration that you are operating your life on the premise of, I will ultimately find truth by following my desires. And maybe you've never thought of it that way, but that is pretty much the premise of your life. If I follow my desires, it will lead me to what is truth. The problem with that is that your desires are going to change day by day. They're going to change at different stages of your life. Your desires are not a good test of truth, and they will lead you to having a very fragile faith. See, a person who abandons the faith for moral decisions is not a person who says, "Well, the reason I'm no longer a Christian is because, you know, I've done the historical research of the New Testament documents and I've come to the conclusion that there are flaws and because of that, I don't believe this anymore." See, that that's not what you're going to hear. See, what I often hear from people is my experience, my experience, my experience, my circumstances, my circumstances, my circumstance, my feelings, my feelings, my feelings. And when I put my circumstances, my experience, and my feelings together, I came to the conclusion that there is no God, or that God couldn't be trusted, or if there is a God, it definitely could not be the God of the Bible. Or you're gonna hear this, I wanna do these things or I wanna be in this relationship or I wanna be out of this relationship or I've been taught that God doesn't approve of this and so because of that, instead of changing my behavior or my desires, I'll just change what I believe. And see, it's easy to get there because the roots of your faith went no deeper than your feelings or circumstances and then in those moments, your faith gets uprooted. See, there's there's another category of people, and I'm sure there are some of you that can relate, where you used to consider yourself a Christian and you used to walk with God, but something happened that did not fit into the framework of your Christian faith. I mean, how could a loving God who is all-powerful allow this to happen? It just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't fit, and in your mind, one of two things are true. Either this didn't happen, or there really isn't a God as I've imagined Him to be. And of course, you can't deny reality, so you felt compelled to just walk away from your faith because you couldn't get life experiences and the Christian faith to mesh together or to add up. You went, maybe you went through a tragedy and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and apparently God, who is out there somewhere, ignored your prayers and you have no other conclusion than this, he's not there. Or if he is, he's not the good God that the Bible speaks of. And see, once again, if this is you or you sit down with this person, you will not find someone who has researched the validity of the Bible or the historical documents of Christ's death and his resurrection. But what you will find is someone who says, here is my experience. Here are the circumstances that I've gone through. Here is how I feel. And putting all that together, I've concluded that either there is no God, or if there is, he's not the loving, all-powerful God of the Bible. And so because of that, I've walked away from the faith. And once again, we find a person whose roots were grounded in circumstance and experience, and it has caused them to have what I call circumstantial faith, which is a very fragile faith. Now, the reason circumstantial faith is so toxic or dangerous is for a couple of reasons. First, When your faith rests in your circumstance, basically what you're saying is, my faith rests in my ability to understand what God is up to. My faith rests in my ability to put all the pieces together and understand God's will. In other words, my faith rests in my ability to interpret the events of life accurately. And as long as I'm able to interpret the events of life accurately, my faith will stay grounded. Problem with this is that we are terrible interpreters of life's events. There are so many times that what looks bad to us looks good to God, and what looks bad to God looks really good to us. And we aren't very good when it comes to looking at circumstance or an event and measuring the value of that event from an eternal standpoint. I mean, Let me give you a simple illustration. I mean, just ask a five-year-old in the car on the way to the doctor's office and his dad's driving him to get some shots. Just ask him whether or not his father loves him. He'll probably say no. You say, well, why? And he would say, because he's taking me to the doctor's to get shots. Well, if you ask the father if he loves his son, he'll say, absolutely. Say, how do you know? Because I'm taking my son to the doctor to get these essential shots. See, same circumstance, same event, but two different interpretations. You have a child who can only see pain, but you have a father who has more wisdom and life experience to know that the pain is temporary, but the long-term value is worth it. See, we have a tendency to measure the faithfulness and sometimes even the existence of God based on our summation of life's circumstances. And if your faith is only grounded in your ability to accurately interpret the events of life, then you have a very fragile faith. Now, before I go any further, I just I wanna make sure this is clear. I'm not saying that your feelings don't have value or that your circumstances aren't difficult. I've sat down with rape victims, abuse victims, people who have lost their children, their spouses, close loved ones, people who have lost everything. And hear me, I'm not saying there are easy answers. I mean, can I walk people through the reasons of why bad things happen to good people? Sure. But those reasons and those explanations when people are hurting, don't take care of the hurt and the pain. And so if you're watching today, and you're hurting because of life stuff, I just want you to know that our church is a place for you to be okay with hurting and struggling, and you can ask questions. I don't want you to walk away feeling beat up because you ask questions. What I hope you will hear is that my desire is that you don't abandon God because you're hurting, but learn to trust Him even when you don't feel like it. So. Let me ask you another question. Have you ever had a situation where you got some information and you got so upset and you couldn't believe this person did something so horrible and you were upset with them and you blamed them? And then later on, you found out more information and you found yourself actually agreeing with that person and what they had done? Why is that? The reason is because you didn't have all the pieces to the puzzle and you jumped to conclusions. See, we have a very short frame of reference when it comes to time we're praying on thursday and we wonder why god hasn't done something by sunday and we're maybe when one or two weeks go by and god hasn't done something we're like where's god i wonder if there is a god is He even listening to me i wonder if this whole christianity thing is a hoax and then in those moments our faith gets uprooted because our frame of reference is so short Think of Joseph in the Old Testament, the one who was sold in slavery by his brothers. And eventually he was thrown into prison. He didn't hear anything from God for 15 years. He didn't see any circumstantial evidence that God was working in his life. And and if you were to show up in that jail or you you were to talk to him while he was in that dungeon and ask what his faith was based on, Why do you even still believe in God? He wouldn't have been able to point to anything circumstantial, yet his faith remained grounded. See, Moses wandered in the desert for 40 years. And then there's us. We're saying, okay, Lord, by the end of this service, or the end of today, or by next week, or by next month, and we're We are wondering if God hears us or even cares and our faith gets uprooted because we don't have an answer in a week or a month. Our frame of reference is so short. And that's why it's imperative that we refuse to judge God's character, his faithfulness, and his existence on our timetable that leaves out the context of eternity. It's almost impossible for us to evaluate the significance of an event within the context of our lifetime. We don't even think in terms of our lifetime, do we? We think in terms of stages, right? Lord, I'm a teenager, do something. God, I'm 20 and I don't know my career path, answer me quickly. God, I'm 30 years old and still not married. I'm 50 and my retirement's gone. See, we look at stages in our life and we panic. It's almost impossible for us to evaluate anything within the context of our lifetime, much less eternity. And so God's saying to us, please don't evaluate me based on your ability to evaluate circumstance because you don't think like I think. Your time is not my time frame. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. And you don't understand what's going on behind the scenes. And so the question is, what is the foundation then of our faith? If it's not circumstances and it's not feelings and it's not our ability to interpret things, what is the foundation of our faith? If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Hebrews chapter four. And as you're turning there, I wanna just give you a little bit of background because we're gonna spend some time over the next, you know, probably eight to 10 weeks in this series. And it's important to understand the context of the passage that we're looking at, and especially this is going to be true in the book of Hebrews. See, the book of Hebrews was written to Christians who had come from a Jewish background. They had grown up in Jewish tradition and been taught all their lives to keep the law. And then as they were confronted with the claims of Jesus, these Jews became Christians, became followers of Jesus. But then all of a sudden, something bad really happened. They lived in these Jewish communities where they basically knew each other, fellowshiped together and went to synagogue together. Well, as these little pockets of Jews became Christians, they found themselves alienated now from their culture and their society that they'd always known. Nobody would buy products from their stores. Nobody would invite them to weddings anymore. Nobody would wanted to date their children. Nobody wanted to promise their children to these families to be married anymore. Everything that made their life work was now being shut down. They were paying a high price financially. They were paying a price socially. They were, they were considered now to be outcasts. You would hear, they would hear stuff like, don't send your kids over there to play with them because they're Christians and they follow that dead Jesus guy. See, then on top of all that, when they became Christians, they were told Jesus was coming back. But they thought it meant like next summer or maybe next fall, but certainly soon and absolutely in our lifetime. And so they lived with this daily expectation that Jesus was coming back soon. And then a year went by, two years, three years, four years went by, no Jesus. And they began to evaluate their circumstances and interpret those circumstances, and the the conclusion that they came to was this. We've made a mistake. This Christianity thing must be a hoax. Jesus never rose from the dead, and we'd be much better off going back to our Jewish ways. And certainly there are problems there, but at least we're accepted in the community and don't look like total idiots. And so some of these Jewish Christians were going back to Judaism. They were abandoning their faith. So the writer of Hebrews wrote this book expressly to them, to motivate them, to recapture and to reaffirm their faith that they were abandoning. And he takes a very unique approach. The book of Hebrews begins by explaining the superiority of Jesus over Moses and over Abraham. Those first few chapters just talk about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Not so much about what Jesus did, but who Jesus is where he sits in position to God and who he is in terms of his identity and his authority. The fact that he died on the cross and paid for our sins because he was the perfect lamb of God and that he rose from the dead and he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. The author of Hebrews focuses over and over and over on the identity of Jesus. And then we come to Hebrews chapter four and this is all we're gonna look at, verse 14. He says, therefore, in other words, over the last three chapters, taking everything into account that I've said up to this point about Jesus, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. And if you're going through the crud of life and you read that verse, you're thinking, why? Why should I hold firmly to my faith? God doesn't look like he's doing anything. He's not answering my prayers. We're worse off than we ever were before. So why should we hold firmly to the faith that we profess? And here's why. Not because life is fair, but because of who Jesus is. The foundation of your faith cannot be in your ability to evaluate your circumstances. The foundation of your faith needs to be grounded in a person, and that person is Jesus. See, when your faith is grounded in how you feel, or life going your way, or your prayers getting answered the way you want them, your faith will soon be uprooted. To have a strong, enduring, grounded faith, the roots of your faith have to be grounded in Jesus. The reason we pray, the reason we worship, the reason we trust, the reason we obey is not because things go our way, but because we believe that in history, a man whose name is Jesus showed up, claimed to be the son of God, even though that seemed to be an unbelievable claim. He gave ample evidence that he was in fact the son of God. He walked on this earth, spent time with people, and they followed him. And then he said, I'm going to die, but don't worry, because I'm going to be raised back to life. And Jesus allowed himself to be crucified, died for our sins, and actually rose from the dead and was seen by over 500 eyewitnesses. And while in their presence, ascended into heaven to sit down at the right hand of God the Father. And that is why I believe what I believe. That's why we pray the way we pray. That's why we worship. That's why we trust. That's why we obey. That's why we make disciples of Jesus. Jesus is the reason why we can hold firmly to our faith not because things go our way, not because it always makes sense, not because we can piece it all together, not because God answers our prayers the way we want them or things go our way, not because husbands always come back to wives, not because children always come back to their parents, not because everyone gets healed. The reason we trust Jesus is because He is a real person who really lived in history, who died on the cross for your sins, who rose from the dead to prove and validate He's really the Son of God, who sits at the right hand of God and has all power and authority. Jesus is the foundation of our faith. Our faith is grounded in Him and Him alone. See? At the cross, Jesus settled the question about his faithfulness and his love for you once and for all. At the cross, we lost the need to doubt God. At the cross, we lost the need to question his faithfulness and goodness. And at the empty tomb, we lost the need to question his power. Because an empty cross and an empty tomb settles it once and for all that there is a God and his son is Jesus and he loves you and he cares for you and he's involved in your life. When it makes sense, we praise him. And when it doesn't make sense, we praise him. When everything goes our way, we trust Him. And when everything falls apart, we trust Him. Because the foundation of our faith, the roots of our faith are in the person of Jesus Christ and not our ability to interpret or sort out the circumstances of our life. See, I'm like you. I like to hear those stories of the guy who goes into surgery and they do an x-ray and the tumor is gone and the doctors are like, whoa, where did it go? And then the doctor becomes a Christian and all the nurses become Christians and then they all go on medical mission trips and thousands of people are impacted. See, I, I love those stories. I get chills when I hear those stories. God is still in the miracle working business. These stories are no more a reflection of God's goodness and faithfulness than for those that don't have those stories. The stories where the parents have been faithfully praying for their prodigal child for 15 years, and still nothing has happened. The wife who walks away from the marriage and decides she doesn't want to work it out. The story of the person who prays for their loved one to get healed, and they don't. See, in those circumstances, God is still good and He's still faithful and He's still loving and He still deserves to be trusted, still deserves to be obeyed, still deserves to be followed, still deserves to be worshipped despite our ability to understand everything or put it all together because Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. So let me ask you, What is your faith grounded in? Are you the type of person that when tough things hit, you question God and your faith? Or are you the type of person who after praying for 15 years and not having your prayers answered the way you want them, you're still able to love, worship, and trust God? See, I don't want you to have a fragile faith that's based on your ability to accurately interpret your circumstances. I want you to have a solid, grounded faith based on the faithful, loving, sacrificial, courageous person of Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for the fact that he is who he says he is, that he really is the son of God, that he really did come down to this earth in the form of a man and he eventually went to the cross to pay for my sin and the sins of this world. But Lord, if it had stopped there, he'd just be a martyr. But the fact that three days later, he validated the fact that he really is the son of God by raising from the dead. If you're listening this morning and your faith has been uprooted or you're not sure you even have faith or you've drifted away and you don't really, it's been based on your circumstances or your feelings or your ability to interpret life, this morning you have the opportunity to place your faith and trust in Jesus alone. Just right there, whether you're watching in your living room, whether you're in your car, wherever it is that you are watching or listening, I just want you to just tell God, God, I realize that my sin separates me from you. And because of that, I'll be separated from you for eternity. But because of your love for me, you sent your son Jesus to come down and pay the price of my penalty of sin. And so you, right now, just say, I choose to accept what you did on the cross and the resurrection from the grave. I put my trust and faith in you and you alone. You have the power over death. I I receive that gift of salvation. I want to be reunited in relationship with you. God, for those of us who have put their faith in you, God, help us. Dig the roots of our faith deeper and deeper into your son, Jesus, so that when the difficulties of life hit, and they will absolutely hit, that we will not be uprooted, that we will stand firm, that we will, have a, uh, we will hold firmly to the faith that we profess. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So how exactly does faith work? Does it mean that we just strongly believe in something? I mean, what happens to our faith when the bottom falls out and you're told that you have a terminal disease or your spouse has been cheating on you or your parents tell you that you're getting a divorce or you lost your job and you don't know how you're gonna pay your bills or you experience some form of abuse? And in those moments, you wonder, where is God? I mean, if he's so good and so loving, why am I going through all of this horrible stuff? I mean, I thought if I obeyed God, then I would experience the blessings, not pain and suffering. And if God allows bad things to happen to good people, then I really don't know if I can even trust a God like that. And it's in these moments that our faith gets rattled, it gets tested, and for some of you, it gets totally uprooted. So the big question that we will be looking to answer throughout this series is what does it look like to have your faith so grounded that no tornado of sickness, death, divorce, or disease could uproot your faith? See, it's not uncommon in our culture to find people who say things like, well, I used to be a Christian, but I'm not a Christian anymore. I used to believe what you believe, but I don't believe that anymore. And they would be classified kind of as people that have fallen away from the faith. Something has happened and now they don't believe what they used to believe. Their faith wasn't grounded. See, in most cases, what I find to be true is that most people kind of fall into one of these two categories. The first category might be people who have made poor moral decisions, or the second category is you have people who face tragedy or circumstances in life and they couldn't make sense of it based on what they believed as Christians. Let let me explain. Let's say you're a Christian and along the way, you're tempted to get into a relationship outside of God's moral standards. Or maybe you're tempted to get involved in a financial situation that would cause you to compromise your Christian ethics. Or let's say you're just tempted to develop a a lifestyle or a habit that causes you to feel guilty. So as time goes by, Here's what you're going to start thinking. Well, I know what I ought to do, but I don't want to give this up. So there's this tension in you. And over time, if you don't get to the core of it or change what you're doing, you'll eventually change what you believe because the roots of your faith aren't grounded. See, instead of giving up a habit or a relationship or financial gain when it's outside the bounds of what God has set up, it's easier to start adjusting our belief system so that eventually it meshes up with our lifestyle. And so people will come to the conclusion: well, I I don't believe this Christian stuff anymore. I don't believe God is like that. I don't believe in the God of the Bible anymore. Their faith in those moments has been uprooted. Let's just think about a person who goes through any of those scenarios for just a minute. What has happened is that their faith was grounded in circumstance or in experience. And as long as their experience or the circumstances of life supported them and made them feel good about their life, they were a Christian. But all of a sudden, when Christianity interfered with their experience or when Christianity interfered with their feelings or when Christianity interfered with their accomplishments or self-esteem, they walked away from Christianity because the roots of their faith were no deeper than their experience or their circumstances. See, if, if you're real honest, and again, it's difficult to be honest about this, But if you were real honest, your summary would be this, you're right, I used to believe this, but what changed first was not my belief system, but my behavior. And see, if you fall into this category, I I wanna give you serious consideration, or I want you to give serious consideration that you are operating your life on the premise of, I will ultimately find truth by following my desires. And maybe you've never thought of it that way, but that is pretty much the premise of your life. If I follow my desires, it will lead me to what is truth. The problem with that is that your desires are going to change day by day. They're going to change at different stages of your life. Your desires are not a good test of truth, and they will lead you to having a very fragile faith. See, a person who abandons the faith for moral decisions is not a person who says, well, the reason I'm no longer a Christian is because, you know, I've done the historical research of the New Testament documents and I've come to the conclusion that there are flaws. And because of that, I don't believe this anymore. See, that, that's not what you're going to hear. See, what I often hear from people is... My experience, my experience, my experience. My circumstances, my circumstances, my circumstance. My feelings, my feelings, my feelings. And when I put my circumstances, my experience, and my feelings together, I came to the conclusion that there is no God. Or that God couldn't be trusted. Or if there is a God, it definitely could not be the God of the Bible. Or you're going to hear this. I wanna do these things or I wanna be in this relationship or I wanna be out of this relationship or I've been taught that God doesn't approve of this and so because of that, instead of changing my behavior or my desires, I'll just change what I believe. And see, it's easy to get there because the roots of your faith went no deeper than your feelings or circumstances and then in those moments, your faith gets uprooted. See, there's there's another category of people, and I'm sure there are some of you that can relate, where you used to consider yourself a Christian, and you used to walk with God, but something happened that did not fit into the framework of your Christian faith. I mean, how could a loving God who is all-powerful allow this to happen? It just doesn't make sense it just doesn't fit and in your mind one of two things are true either this didn't happen or there really isn't a god as i've imagined him to be and of course you can't deny reality so you felt compelled to just walk away from your faith because you couldn't get life experiences and the christian faith to mesh together or to add up you went maybe you went through a tragedy and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and apparently God, who is out there somewhere, ignored your prayers and you have no other conclusion than this, he's not there. Or if he is, he's not the good God that the Bible speaks of. And see, once again, if this is you or you sit down with this person, you will not find someone who has researched the validity of the Bible or the historical documents of Christ's death and his resurrection. But what you will find is someone who says, here is my experience. Here are the circumstances that I've gone through. Here is how I feel. And putting all that together, I've concluded that either there is no God, or if there is, he's not the loving, all-powerful God of the Bible. And so because of that, I've walked away from the faith. And Once again, we find a person whose roots were grounded in circumstance and experience and it has caused them to have what I call circumstantial faith, which is a very fragile faith. Now, the reason circumstantial faith is so toxic or dangerous is for a couple of reasons. First, When your faith rests in your circumstance, basically what you're saying is my faith rests in my ability to understand what God is up to. My faith rests in my ability to put all the pieces together and understand God's will. In other words, my faith rests in my ability to interpret the events of life accurately. And as long as I'm able to interpret the events of life accurately, my faith will stay grounded the problem with this is that we are terrible interpreters of life's events there are so many times that what looks bad to us looks good to god and what looks bad to god looks really good to us and we aren't very good when it comes to looking at circumstance or an event and measuring the value of that event from an eternal standpoint i mean Let me give you a simple illustration. I mean, just ask a five-year-old in the car on the way to the doctor's office and his dad's driving him to get some shots. Just ask him whether or not his father loves him. He'll probably say, no. You say, well, why? And he would say, because he's taking me to the doctors to get shots. Well, if you ask the father if he loves his son, he'll say, absolutely. Say, how do you know? Because I'm taking my son to the doctor to get these essential shots. See, same circumstance, same event, but two different interpretations. You have a child who can only see pain, but you have a father who has more wisdom and life experience to know that the pain is temporary, but the long-term value is worth it. See, we have a tendency to measure the faithfulness and sometimes even the existence of God based on our summation of life's circumstances and if your faith is only grounded in your ability to accurately interpret the events of life then you have a very fragile faith now before i go any further i just i want to make sure this is clear i'm not saying that your feelings don't have value or that your circumstances aren't difficult i've sat down with rape victims, abuse victims, people who have lost their children, their spouses, close loved ones, people who have lost everything. And hear me, I'm not saying there are easy answers. I mean, can I walk people through the reasons of why bad things happen to good people? Sure. But those reasons and those explanations when people are hurting, don't take care of the hurt and the pain. And so if you're watching today, and you're hurting because of life stuff, I just want you to know that our church is a place for you to be okay with hurting and struggling, and you can ask questions. I don't want you to walk away feeling beat up because you ask questions. What I hope you will hear is that my desire is that you don't abandon God because you're hurting, but learn to trust Him even when you don't feel like it. So, Let me ask you another question. Have you ever had a situation where you got some information and you got so upset and you couldn't believe this person did something so horrible and you were upset with them and you blamed them? And then later on, you found out more information and you found yourself actually agreeing with that person and what they had done? Why is that? The reason is because you didn't have all the pieces to the puzzle and you jumped to conclusions. See, we have a very short frame of reference when it comes to time we're praying on thursday and we wonder why god hasn't done something by sunday and we're maybe when one or two weeks go by and god hasn't done something we're like where's god i wonder if there is a god is he even listening to me i wonder if this whole christianity thing is a hoax and then in those moments our faith gets uprooted because our frame of reference is so short Think of Joseph in the Old Testament, the one who was sold in slavery by his brothers. And eventually he was thrown into prison. He didn't hear anything from God for 15 years. He didn't see any circumstantial evidence that God was working in his life. And and if you were to show up in that jail or you you were to talk to him while he was in that dungeon and ask what his faith was based on, Why do you even still believe in God? He wouldn't have been able to point to anything circumstantial, yet his faith remained grounded. See, Moses wandered in the desert for 40 years. And then there's us. We're saying, okay, Lord, by the end of this service, or the end of today, or by next week, or by next month, and we're We are wondering if God hears us or even cares and our faith gets uprooted because we don't have an answer in a week or a month. Our frame of reference is so short and that's why it's imperative that we refuse to judge God's character, his faithfulness and his existence on our timetable that leaves out the context of eternity. It's almost impossible for us to evaluate the significance of an event within the context of our lifetime. We don't even think in terms of our lifetime, do we? We think in terms of stages, right? Lord, I'm a teenager, do something. God, I'm 20 and I don't know my career path, answer me quickly. God, I'm 30 years old and still not married. I'm 50 and my retirement's gone. See, we look at stages in our life and we panic. It's almost impossible for us to evaluate anything within the context of our lifetime, much less eternity. And so God's saying to us, please don't evaluate me based on your ability to evaluate circumstance, because you don't think like I think. Your time is not my timeframe. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. And you don't understand what's going on behind the scenes. And so the question is, what is the foundation then of our faith? If it's not circumstances and it's not feelings and it's not our ability to interpret things, what is the foundation of our faith? If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Hebrews chapter four. And as you're turning there, I wanna just give you a little bit of background because we're gonna spend some time over the next, you know, probably eight to 10 weeks in this series. And it's important to understand the context of the passage that we're looking at, and especially this is going to be true in the book of Hebrews. See, the book of Hebrews was written to Christians who had come from a Jewish background. They had grown up in Jewish tradition and been taught all their lives to keep the law. And then as they were confronted with the claims of Jesus, these Jews became Christians, became followers of Jesus. But then all of a sudden, something bad really happened. They lived in these Jewish communities where they basically knew each other, fellowshiped together, and went to synagogue together. Well, as these little pockets of Jews became Christians, they found themselves alienated now from their culture and their society that they'd always known. Nobody would buy products from their stores. Nobody would invite them to weddings anymore. Nobody would wanted to date their children. Nobody wanted to promise their children to these families to be married anymore. Everything that made their life work was now being shut down. They were paying a high price financially. They were paying a price socially. They were, they were considered now to be outcasts. You would hear, they would hear stuff like, don't send your kids over there to play with them because they're Christians and they follow that dead Jesus guy. See, then on top of all that, when they became Christians, they were told Jesus was coming back. But they thought it meant like next summer or maybe next fall, but certainly soon and absolutely in our lifetime. And so they lived with this daily expectation that Jesus was coming back soon and then a year went by 2 years 3 years 4 years went by no jesus and they began to evaluate their circumstances and interpret those circumstances and the excuse me the conclusion that they came to was this we've made a mistake This Christianity thing must be a hoax. Jesus never rose from the dead, and we'd be much better off going back to our Jewish ways. And certainly there are problems there, but at least we're accepted in the community and don't look like total idiots. And so some of these Jewish Christians were going back to Judaism. They were abandoning their faith. So the writer of Hebrews wrote this book expressly to them, to motivate them, to recapture and to reaffirm their faith that they were abandoning. And he takes a very unique approach. The book of Hebrews begins by explaining the superiority of Jesus over Moses and over Abraham. Those first few chapters just talk about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Not so much about what Jesus did, but who Jesus is where he sits in position to God and who he is in terms of his identity and his authority. The fact that he died on the cross and paid for our sins because he was the perfect lamb of God and that he rose from the dead and he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. The author of Hebrews focuses over and over and over on the identity of Jesus. And then we come to Hebrews chapter four and this is all we're gonna look at, verse 14. says, therefore, in other words, over the last three chapters, taking everything into account that I've said up to this point about Jesus, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. And if you're going through the crud of life and you read that verse, you're thinking, why? Why should I hold firmly to my faith? God doesn't look like he's doing anything. He's not answering my prayers. We're worse off than we ever were before. So why should we hold firmly to the faith that we profess? And here's why. Not because life is fair, but because of who Jesus is. The foundation of your faith cannot be in your ability to evaluate your circumstances. The foundation of your faith needs to be grounded in a person, and that person is Jesus. See, when your faith is grounded in how you feel, or life going your way, or your prayers getting answered the way you want them, your faith will soon be uprooted. To have a strong, enduring, grounded faith, the roots of your faith have to be grounded in Jesus. The reason we pray, the reason we worship, the reason we trust, the reason we obey is not because things go our way, but because we believe that in history, a man whose name is Jesus showed up, claimed to be the son of God. Even though that seemed to be an unbelievable claim, he gave ample evidence that he was in fact the son of God. He walked on this earth, spent time with people and they followed him. And then he said, I'm gonna die, but don't worry because I'm going to be raised back to life. And Jesus allowed himself to be crucified, died for our sins, and actually rose from the dead and was seen by over 500 eyewitnesses, and while in their presence ascended into heaven to sit down at the right hand of God the Father. And that is why I believe what I believe. That's why we pray the way we pray. That's why we worship. That's why we trust. That's why we obey. That's why we make disciples of Jesus. Jesus is the reason why we can hold firmly to our faith not because things go our way, not because it always makes sense, not because we can piece it all together, not because God answers our prayers the way we want them or things go our way, not because husbands always come back to wives, not because children always come back to their parents, not because everyone gets healed. The reason we trust Jesus is because he is a real person who really lived in history, who died on the cross for your sins, who rose from the dead to prove and validate he's really the son of God, who sits at the right hand of God and has all power and authority. Jesus is the foundation of our faith. Our faith is grounded in him and him alone. See? At the cross, Jesus settled the question about his faithfulness and his love for you once and for all. At the cross, we lost the need to doubt God. At the cross, we lost the need to question his faithfulness and goodness. And at the empty tomb, we lost the need to question his power. Because an empty cross and an empty tomb settles it once and for all that there is a God and His Son is Jesus and He loves you and He cares for you and He's involved in your life. When it makes sense, we praise Him. And when it doesn't make sense, we praise Him. When everything goes our way, we trust Him. And when everything falls apart, we trust Him. Because the foundation of our faith, the roots of our faith, are in the person of Jesus Christ and not our ability to interpret or sort out the circumstances of our life. See, I'm like you. I like to hear those stories of the guy who goes into surgery and they do an x-ray and the tumor is gone and the doctors are like, whoa, where did it go? And then the doctor becomes a Christian and all the nurses become Christians and then they all go on medical mission trips and thousands of people are impacted. See, I, I love those stories. I get chills when I hear those stories. God is still in the miracle working business. These stories are no more a reflection of God's goodness and faithfulness than for those that don't have those stories. The stories where the parents have been faithfully praying for their prodigal child for 15 years and still nothing has happened. The wife who walks away from the marriage and decides she doesn't wanna work it out. The story of the person who prays for their loved one to get healed and they don't. See, in those circumstances, God is still good and he's still faithful and he's still loving and he still deserves to be trusted, still deserves to be obeyed, still deserves to be followed, still deserves to be worshiped despite our ability to understand everything or put it all together because Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. So let me ask you, What is your faith grounded in? Are you the type of person that when tough things hit, you question God and your faith? Or are you the type of person who after praying for 15 years and not having your prayers answered the way you want them, you're still able to love, worship, and trust God? See, I don't want you to have a fragile faith that's based on your ability to accurately interpret your circumstances. I want you to have a solid, grounded faith based on the faithful, loving, sacrificial, courageous person of Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for the fact that he is who he says he is, that he really is the son of God, that he really did come down to this earth in the form of a man and he eventually went to the cross to pay for my sin and the sins of this world. But Lord, if it had stopped there, he'd just be a martyr. But the fact that three days later, he validated the fact that he really is the son of God by raising from the dead. If you're listening this morning, and your faith has been uprooted, or you're not sure you even have faith, or you've drifted away, and you don't really, it's been based on your circumstances, or your feelings, or your ability to interpret life, this morning you have the opportunity to place your faith and trust in Jesus alone. Just right there, whether you're watching in your living room, whether you're in your car, wherever it is that you are watching or listening, I just want you to just tell God, God, I realize that my sin separates me from you, and because of that, I'll be separated from you for eternity, but because of your love for me, you sent your son Jesus to come down and pay the price of my penalty of sin. And so you, right now, just say, I choose to accept what you did on the cross and the resurrection from the grave. I put my trust and faith in you and you alone. You have the power over death. I I receive that gift of salvation. I wanna be reunited in relationship with you. God, for those of us who have put their faith in you, God, help us. Dig the roots of our faith deeper and deeper into your son, Jesus, so that when the difficulties of life hit, and they will absolutely hit, that we will not be uprooted, that we will stand firm, that we will, have a, uh, we will hold firmly to the faith that we profess. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.